All right, guys, we're back with another podcast, and you're probably wondering why you're hearing my voice right now, because the last time we talked, I had been begging for your guys' help, you know, hey, I need you guys' help, I need financial support, supporting this podcast, and I still do, but that's a different story, so let me tell you guys why I'm here right here, right now. So over the course of the last 48 hours or so, I was able to acquire a very kind donor who is lending me $25 to put towards the podcast. So we're going to have several things done with that $25. So uh, I want to thank the person who did it. So thank you, um, Dave kindly asked me that I do not use their name on podcast, but that being said, thank you, sir, for the $25 donation. It's a very, very humbling thing to receive $25 as a token of your gratitude. Uh, Very appreciative. So with that $25, what I have done is number one, first things first, I have renewed my SoundCloud membership for one more month, which means at least one more month of podcasting this show. So if you guys want more, please let me know. You guys know where to, you know, get at me at Jake Disher, J-A-K-E-D-I-I-S-C-H-E-R on Instagram. You guys can contact me there. That's where I uh, prefer my my podcast listeners to contact me on. If you guys want to support the podcast, hit me there. But anyways, getting back to my point of what I want to do with this. So the first 15 has gone towards that cause. And then the next 10 are going to go towards um, finding somebody who can create me a podcast intro, one that is unique, a drop that you know leads me into the show And that's something I've been looking at for the last, oh, I don't know, you know, maybe two months since, uh, you know, I've really been looking for money to fund this podcast. I've been looking for an intro as well because I don't really like those, you know, very close, intimate starts that uh, that I kick the shows off with. I'd rather have something that leads you guys into my voice as opposed to kind of just forcing it. So... Those are two major changes coming. Also, I want to ask you guys, would you guys like to see scheduled uploads once a week and have a ton of news in there or several times a week, but you know, shorter episodes, not as much news? Let me know because I'm totally fine doing either. Uh, just know that if it's one upload a week, it could be at a very random and selective time. So, Understand that if you're one of those people who want to see the one upload a week. Now that we've gotten all that out of the way, I just want to get right into the sports news because it feels so refreshing to be on the mic talking about sports, not asking for money, anything like that. Just re-uploading again feels amazing. So thank you, sir, for donating that money. Let's get in to my first topic, and that's going to be baseball. Baseball, there's not a whole lot to talk about. 
So we'll get through baseball quick, then we'll hop straight into football because I know there's a lot to talk about in football. But as for baseball, this was brought to my attention and it's very interesting. It's something that I could not have predicted or actually really no one could have predicted since, you know, spring training, you know, no one could have seen this coming. And that is uh, this week. Oakland will head into Houston to play them in, I believe it's a three-game series, and they are two games back of Houston for first place, which the Oakland Athletics, a team with such a minuscule payroll, how are they here, right? Houston's the defending champs. Oakland, on the other hand, Last year, they were a fourth-place team. They weren't even sniffing first. How does this happen? I mean, they have such a small payroll. It doesn't make sense. And I truly believe Oakland will win this series for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, if you guys have not paid attention to what Oakland's been doing, they're the story of baseball right now, aside from maybe Boston. They're uh, Since like June first or something, they've had the best winning percentage in the MLB tied with the Boston Red Sox, which really, you know, is a hats off to them because they've, they've outdone themselves. You know, Billy Bean has outdone himself with this team and it is beyond my wildest dreams that, you know, I would be sitting here in the middle of August going into, you know, damn near the last month of the season, seeing Oakland in a wild card spot chasing Houston for first. Uh, I never thought I would see this coming. So for me personally, here's why I think Oakland will win this series. Number one, Houston's missing a lot of guys. They have no McCullers. They have no Altuve. Um, Correa, I guess, has been playing a little bit uh, under par uh, for what he's used to, you know, under the standard for him. Now, they are going to get Springer back. Uh, Verlander versus Manaya is going to be the headline matchup, which people think Verlander's a lock to win this one. I'm not necessarily sure. The A's are a well-rounded team, and I can't tell you exactly why that is. I can't tell you because it seems like every time I watch one of their games, they're just very scrappy. They just know how to win the game. They do whatever it takes. And I think that's what you need in a serious playoff team. My second and final reason why I think Oakland will win this series is because they are so much more hungry if you look at the demeanor than Houston is. And Houston used to be that way. Houston used to be a very hungry team. But I'm going to tell you uh, the things that I tell everyone when they when they ask. Younger, unproven teams are always more hungry than a team who has already been there. You want to know why Boston is going insane right now? And the Yankees are having a little bit of a drawback here despite adding more pieces? Because the Yankees just made it to the American League Championship Series and they feel content. You want to know why the Yankees were doing so much better last year? Because they had things to prove. 
Oakland has stuff to prove. That's why they're going hard. That's why I don't believe Houston is really running away with this yet. Because, let's be honest here, Houston's already been there. They've already done that. They don't need another ring, really. People are maybe more selfish this year. Maybe Keiko's more worried about personal accolades. Keiko's going into a free agent year. Maybe that's why he's looking for money, not maybe a ring. Understand that everyone's motive is different on a team that's already been there. But for teams that are looking to get there, that are hungry, the motive is all the same. People will put money aside and fame aside for a World Series championship if they are hungry enough. That's all I have to say about baseball. Let's hop into the NFL. So the first thing even barely remotely related to the NFL that I want to kind of talk about is Johnny Manziel. So Johnny Manziel a couple weeks ago made his first start in the CFL and he got lit up. I mean, I don't even think he threw over 100 yards He had four interceptions, zero touchdowns. It was a miserable outing for Johnny Football. Now, I'll say this. I think that it was because he was just traded and that he had to learn, like, the scheme in, like, a week or something. Either way, it was an ugly, ugly performance for Johnny Football. Maybe the worst of his career. And I know if you guys have ever heard him in interviews, he'll say, You know, my worst performance ever was Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, where I get destroyed in my first ever start. Well, I have to disagree, Johnny. I think this start in the CFL was probably the worst it gets. I mean, we're talking about you can't even eclipse the 100 yards passing mark in the CFL. You know it. This is really, really bad. Like, I've heard scouts say the CFL isn't even the same level as the NCAA. So, this is concerning for many reasons. I believe this kind of throws a wrench in Johnny Manziel's plan to return to football. I just think this is, uh, this is concerning. If you're part of Johnny Manziel's team, I think you got to be a little bit worried. Just just a tad. Now on to like some real NFL stuff. We're going to talk about some injuries. So it's preseason. Injuries happen, but some pretty big, uh, devastating ones have taken place. So we've already seen a few season enders uh, in Washington. DC, we saw Darius Geis go down for the season, which is a huge shame because, by the way, Geis is a really exciting player, and I was really looking forward to seeing him start this season because imagine a team with Jordan Reed, Alex Smith, Darius Geis. This team seemed destined to at least compete in the NFC East, maybe even for a wild card But now maybe that doesn't look so much like the case because they're going to have a filler running back in for the season. So my thoughts and prayers go out to Darius Geis. You know, I hope he he recovers quickly. 
another first rounder, or actually Geis was on first rounder, but a first rounder here for the Patriots, Isaiah Wynn. There, I believe he was their left guard or something. I just know he's on the offensive line for them. Is out for the season with a torn Achilles, which is a pretty big deal. You you know you spend a first round kind of draft capital on an offensive lineman. You're hoping he's there for the season, and now they've lost him. So this is a huge deal in Patriots Nation. You know I just feel like this Patriots dynasty is beginning to crumble in front of our eyes. But it seems like every time we say that, they only get better. So we'll have to wait and see what the season entails. But right now it is not looking good for Tom Brady's Patriots. But enough injury talk I want to get into now. The big NFL topic, stuff that happened a couple days ago. So Jalen Ramsey met with GQ for interviews and he came out and they asked him about a lot of quarterbacks specifically guys like Garoppolo, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, guys like that and he had some very strong responses and if you guys have not seen that already I highly recommend you go check it out and he had some good to say you know he's he called Goff above average quarterback he said Garoppolo was good he said Wentz and Watson are going to light up the league. But then he had some not-so-nice things to say. And I'll give you some examples here. He called Josh Allen trash. Matt Ryan overrated. He also had some pretty uh, mean comments on Joe Flacco. He said Lamar Jackson should be picked higher in the draft. And that's just, you know, some of the things he said. I mean, this was a highly entertaining interview. If you guys have not already read it, go read it. It's a must-read. And a lot of people right now, they have a lot of problems with what Jalen Ramsey said. You know, oh, he's a trash talker. You know, he needs to mind his own business. He needs to stay in his lane, blah, 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 whatever. Here's the problem with this. People like LeVar Ball and Jalen Ramsey, people who are outspoken like this, they get flack in the media. And here's the reason why. The media asks players to be transparent. When players are transparent, the media goes crazy. So which one do you want? Do you want the brutally honest guy? Or do you want the guy who gives you the same auto-generated answers that we expect? Personally, I like the guy who's more open and honest. I That's why I like LeVar Ball. That's why I like Jalen Ramsey. Because they are outspoken, they speak their mind, and they will tell you how it is. It's not, oh, you know, Josh Allen, I'm not really concerned about him. It's, hey, I think Josh Allen sucks. Those are the kind of answers we want. We want that. This is healthy for sports. Trash talking is a part of the game. This is all they're doing on the field anyways. So it's like, why don't we just bring it to the media? Why don't we make this more mainstream? Why doesn't everyone just say what they mean? This is why I love Jalen Ramsey. Because he says what he means all the time. He does not care. And there's a lot of people saying now, oh, you know, well, Jalen Ramsey has ruined uh, Josh Allen's career and he's being a bully and all this stuff. This isn't bullying. These guys are pros at what they do. 
Josh Allen shouldn't be concerned with what, you know, Jalen Ramsey, a guy in a completely different conference, has to say about him. Or actually, scratch that, they're not in different conferences. But you get my point. They're not playing each other twice a year. They're not in the same division. So, if I'm Josh Allen, focus on you. Focus on what Josh Allen has to do to get better, not... Hey, what does Josh Allen have to do to get Jalen Ramsey to shut up? And as far as I'm concerned, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo or Matt Ryan or whoever, don't even concern yourself with Jalen Ramsey. Hey, you know, I'm Matt Ryan. I've won an MVP before. I've taken my team to the Super Bowl before. Hey, I'm Jimmy Garoppolo. I beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So... Don't really concern yourself with what they have to say. Concern yourself with what you need to do to improve yourself. That's my whole take on the Jalen Ramsey situation. As far as the Josh Allen situation goes, worry about yourself. Put in the time and none of his comments will even come to fruition. That's it. That's the bottom line. Now let's move on into the contractual side of the NFL. So we've had some issues the last couple of weeks with contracts. We'll start with good news and head more towards bad news. So there's three contracts that are either progressing or not progressing at all. Let's talk about them. So number one is Aaron Rodgers. New reports leak that say... uh, Rodgers and the Packers are creeping towards a new deal. This is great news if you're a Packers fan because the last thing you want to see is Aaron Rodgers not have a deal before the end of this season. Because believe me, you do not want to take this into the next season. Now, you can franchise tag him, but we all know how the franchise tag works. We saw it work with Le'Veon Bell. We saw it work with um, Kirk Cousins. It doesn't work. The franchise tag merely protects you from letting your player go because you believe you can get a deal done. We know how the NFL is, and we know how players think. Both sides usually don't work out if you have to force a franchise tag. So believe me, as a Packers fan, if you are one, you do not want to see Aaron Rodgers get the franchise tag. But I will say this, the Packers moving towards a deal sounds very optimistic to me. However, we heard this in the offseason and nothing happened. So, that being said... I would take this with a grain of salt. Yeah, they might be progressing towards a new deal, but this guy's practicing. It's the preseason. He's got to gear up for a new season. I don't think a new deal is going to get done, but if it does, that's great news for the Packers. Second contract I want to talk about is Aaron Donald. So while there has been really no reports of the contract moving anywhere, I feel like this will get done eventually, and here's why I believe that. We've seen the extension to Gurley. We've seen some other extensions get dished out this year. 
at the very least, I think they deserve to give Aaron Donald a lot of money. If you have money for Gurley, if you have money for Cooks, for Peters, for Talib, for Sue, you have money for one of your loyal guys, Aaron Donald. And we've heard Donald say for months, you know, even months before his contract was up, I want a lot of money. Well, the Rams, guess what? You're going to need a lot of money to get this thing done. I don't understand what it is with teams and players. How hard is it to devise a contract that just gives a player what he wants? Aaron Donald is worth it. 100% Aaron Donald is worth it. Now, when I want to throw incentives in to a deal like Let's say maybe Aqib Talib, right? Maybe he has to earn his money. Absolutely. But what has Aaron Donald got to do to you know earn his money, man? These are the kinds of deals I don't understand how they get done. Right? Le'Veon Bell. Aaron Donald. Like, get these deals done. It's not hard. It's not hard to give a guy what he wants. Unless you really don't believe he's that good. But to me, Le'Veon Bell and Aaron Donald are the two best players at their position. Le'Veon Bell, undoubtedly the best. Aaron Donald, undoubtedly the best. You can't go wrong re-signing those guys for big money because it means you're going to get the best player at his position for the next however many years you decide to sign him. So... I don't get it. I don't understand why these contracts don't, you know, move a little bit better. I think teams should stop being so stingy with money and start giving it to guys who deserve it. And finally, a contract situation that doesn't seem like it's ending anytime soon. This broken by Bleacher Report. The report reads, Khalil Mack holdout has no end in sight won't play second preseason game. This is ugly. This is getting really, really ugly. John Gruden hasn't even spoke to Khalil Mack. I mean, this is your difference maker on what is, to be kind, a bad defense. This is the guy who gets to the quarterback, who causes disruption, who is a matchup issue. And there's been no contact between the new head coach and his best player? You're kidding me, right? This is only going to end one way, and I know exactly how it's going to end. A trade. Khalil Mack is not going to play a game in silver and black this year. That's it. I mean, if there's been no discussion between your head coach... And your defensive end, your all-pro, your Pro Bowl defensive end on a new contract or just, you know, even a hello? This is a shame. It is shocking to me. It is sickening. As a coach, as a GM, as an owner, how do you let this happen? 
And this is this is a trickle down effect, really, because now the defense is you're going to start losing the defense. Because guess what? If the best player Khalil Mack isn't there to be a leader, well, who's going to be the leader? Unless someone steps up, John Gruden has already lost his locker room, and this is ugly. This is real, real ugly. If you're a Raiders fan, this is literally the last thing you wanted to hear in a report because there looks like there is no light at the end of the tunnel right now. It looks like you're stuck. I mean, look at me in the eyes, John Gruden, and tell me that in Mac's absence, Bruce Irving and Mario Edwards are going to give you the same amount of sacks in a season plus some that Mac gives you. Guys, if if you're not sure what Khalil Mack has done in the last three seasons, he's tallied double-digit sacks each of the last three. In his career, he has 36 and a half sacks. Or, excuse me, in the last three seasons, he has those. That's um, that's a pretty big number, by the way. That's an average. If you want to know the average, over the last three seasons, that's 12 sacks a season. Just, just letting you know, Raiders Nation, do you really think Bruce Irvin and Mario Edwards could provide you six sacks each? I don't think so. Sorry, I, I just don't. They're not that dynamic off the edge. They're just not. They're older. They don't have the youth like your guy Mac has, and that's a problem. So this, per Adam Schefter, this came out last night. He said, no Des Bryant Cleveland Browns deal expected tonight. Per source, the two sides will continue talking and will know more tomorrow. So, what it sounds like, from what I've read, is Dez is looking for a one-year kind of prove-it deal, because let's be honest, he doesn't want to stay in Cleveland, he just wants a job. Well, the Cleveland Browns don't want a one-year prove-it deal, they probably want multiple years of throwing up the X in Cleveland, and Dez doesn't see the same side. So, here's what's going to happen. Des Bryant controls this. Believe me. So what's probably going to happen is he's either going to sign a one-year deal for like a crap load of money, like seven, eight, nine million dollars, or he's going to sign a two-year deal for the same amount of money each year with a player option on the second year. So if he doesn't want to return, he doesn't have to. This isn't going to be longer than a two-year deal if it's done, which I don't see it getting done. I think for the Browns, this makes a lot of sense, right? Go out, get Dez. I mean, it'll help you out. But for Dez, this is all just a ploy. Getting his name back out on the market. I mean, this is all it is for him, right? He wants San Francisco. He wants 
Baltimore. Like, he wants bigger and better things. He doesn't want to play in Cleveland, but he will if he has to. That's the point I'm trying to make. That no matter what, whatever contract he signs, if it is in Cleveland, this is temporary. 100 million percent temporary. He will not remain there. Keep that in mind. And finally, for my last segment of the show, I kind of want to dissect the Hard Knocks episode 2 for my football audience out there because Hard Knocks with the Browns this year has really showed me how much of a shit show this organization is. Like, no offense, Cleveland, but your city is in disarray. Like, this team, this Browns team is in, they're everywhere. I mean, they, they, they can't make up their minds. They start off the episode with Corey Coleman running second team. He's bitching about running the second team, right? Because he's not a team guy. So he comes into Hugh Jackson's office. He's like almost crying about it. And then he asks for a trade. And they basically give him the most ultimate fuck you of all fuck yous. They give him a way to Buffalo for a seventh round pick. Like, let me just remind you guys, he was a first rounder a couple years back. And actually, let me Google it really quick. I want to find out what pick exactly he was because he was a high pick in the first round. Like, this wasn't like, oh, you know, he's, you know, pick 31 in the first round, kind of just whatever. No, like he was a high pick. So let me, let me get back to you on this one. Corey Coleman, he was a first round pick number 15 out of Baylor in the 2016 draft. And uh, for a lot of you guys who might, who don't even really know football, you maybe just watch the, the series, you might be like, well, what, what's so bad about him? You know, people who pick get picked out early usually uh, don't get traded so easily. Um, he's had five receiving touchdowns in two full seasons. I don't think that's first-round pick value. I mean, call me crazy, but I think usually if you're picking number 15, you're looking for somebody with at least wide receiver one capabilities. And on that Browns team, I don't even think that Corey Coleman was the wide receiver three. I mean, he was worse than Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway and Josh Gordon. He was the wide receiver four at best. So Corey, while I do feel bad for you, man, you deserve to be traded. You're right. Because they weren't going to give you your opportunity. So maybe it's better off in the end. Maybe this is what Josh Allen needs. And maybe this is what Corey Coleman needs. But Corey Coleman, the Cleveland Browns experiment, didn't work out. Next up, this just shows how much of a fucking disaster this team is. They go out. And Antonio Callaway... Uh, gets pulled over and he gets like some citation for marijuana in his car or something. And for like two whole days, he doesn't even say anything. He just, you know, he's cited for, for marijuana 
which, by the way, this is a huge deal because he had a lot of marijuana issues in the NCAA, which is why he wasn't a first-round draft pick or, you know, a little bit lower, maybe like second-rounder. And he just doesn't, he decides, hey, I'm not going to tell uh, Hugh Jackson or really anyone in the organization. He just decides, hey, uh, they'll figure out. And sure as shit, what do you know? Like, two days later, John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson come out and they basically call him in their office and they're chewing his ass out for it, right? And they basically punish him by making him play the whole preseason game, all the snaps, no subs. But this is the biggest shit show part about it. They didn't know about the incident before it broke on the news, right? They weren't even told about it. And you want to know what they said to cover it up? When asked about it, they said, oh, we, we know about the incident. Uh, we're, we're taking care of it. You knew about the incident? How about you be fucking honest with us? How about you tell us the truth? You had no idea what was going on. And you had no idea how you were going to handle it. And then, you know, to make matters worse, they they make Antonio Callaway apologize in front of the entire Browns team. And it's just the most half-ass fake apology ever. He's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it won't happen again. It, like, it sounds like, like Hugh Jackson is the dad and Antonio Callaway is one of the sons and he's making his son apologize for hitting his brother. Like that's literally what it sounds like, right? It's like when your dad makes you apologize to your brother for, you know, hitting him, but you don't really mean it, you know, I mean, you got a meaningful slap in on him and you're happy about that. So you don't really mean that you're sorry. Like that's really what it sounded like to me. It sounded half-assed. It sounded fake, at least in my opinion. Then we had, like, Miles Garrett fucking writing. And then we had David Njoku, like, doing meditation shit. And then, like, we get to- like two totally different, like, responses. We get Miles Garrett fucking punching a guy at practice. And then we get uh, David Njoku balls out, scores two touchdowns in the preseason opener. That was a little weird. But... There is so many things wrong. And this is honestly, like, this is the perfect hard knocks because this team is so dysfunctional. Like, this is what people have been waiting to see from Cleveland for years. Like, we're like, why the hell is Cleveland so dysfunctional? This is why. Because it's not a well-oiled machine. Now, Glenn Dorsey, I think, is the biggest, you know, brains part of it. But Hugh Jackson is just an idiot. I mean, he is the biggest imbecile I have ever seen try to run a franchise, right? Like, this guy is an idiot. Like, how does he coach a team? I don't get it. And how has he had two years of leeway? Like, dude, Glenn Dorsey, get a word up to your to your owner. Like, fire this guy. This guy's an idiot. And, you know, coaches are just yelling at the players. And, I mean, I guess that's not totally out of normal, out of the norm. And then we got the fucking guy talking about the rule of seven, about how the 
you know, 10% interest. Like, it doesn't make sense, man. Like, the players on this team, too, are just idiots. Like, I swear the only people with, you know, half of a brain there are Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor. That's about it, though. Everyone else is basically a complete jackass. Last thing I want to say about this episode is... Look, I feel bad for the Kajuice kid. You know, his dad's gone through like heart attacks and pacemakers and strokes and all this stuff. I feel horrible. But can I just say like, this guy in public is, his dad is probably the weirdest motherfucker I have ever watched. The whole whistling thing to his kid, like that's cool or whatever. I practice. But this guy fucking whistled from the top deck at MetLife Stadium in New York and thought that his son would hear him from the top deck. I don't get it, man. I like, I was, I was like, this is the corniest shit I have ever watched. And like, if my dad ever did that, I swear to God, I would punch him in the face. That is the most embarrassing thing I think I ever watched. And then he does, you know, he did it again when his son's walking out of the tunnel, you know, to go meet with family and stuff. Oh my God. I was, I was so embarrassed for him. I don't know why they put stuff like this on the the TV show. It's so weird when they do stuff like this, but you know, again, I feel bad. The whole story about the dad is really sad. I agree. But like, dude, kill the whistling. Like that was horrible. But I cannot wait for the mayhem that is about to ensue next week on Hard Knocks. Like, I am so excited. Because listen to this. So, last week, or really this week, um, there was a video that surfaced. Jarvis Landry and a cornerback get in a fight. Jarvis Landry throws a fucking football at the defender's face. I cannot wait, man. Like, I can't wait to see what Hugh Jackson's result, like, his his, uh, his reaction's going to be. Like, this is going to be hilarious. And I'm sure Hugh Jackson will say it's fine. Oh, he's, uh, he's just competing. That's not competition. These guys fucking hate each other, man. Like, say what you will. There wasn't a handshake that I saw after this. There was no, you know makeup kiss like this was a fight these two guys were talking shit and they got into a fight and they got into a brawl and then you know also we're gonna have to deal with the Dez negotiations I can't wait to see that and then we're also gonna see the next preseason game which should be good as well so lots of things to look forward to also what you should be looking forward to is my next podcast Uh, I'm so glad to be back, you guys. Super happy that I have received the funding for one more month of podcasting. If you would like to do the same as uh, the generous donor did earlier today by giving me some funding for the show, you can do that. Instagram at Jake Disher, J-A-K-E-D-I-I-S-C-H-E-R, DM me. We can work out some funding. 
Uh, every donation is much appreciated. If you would like to stay anonymous in your donations, I will honor that request. If not, I will uh, give you a, a large shout out on the show, as I did for this gentleman earlier. So, look forward to my next podcast. Should be coming out within the next week. Just wanted to get something out there, letting you guys know that I am back. And it feels great. It feels so good not to, you know, just be kicking it on my ass, watching Game of Thrones or Westworld all day. So, so happy I could uh, be making another podcast for you guys. I will catch you guys in the next one, though. So much to talk about. I'll see you guys then. Later.